I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sada Flody. This episode is everything you need to know about postpartum health. Before I get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I'm not giving any kind of religious or medical advice. So if you have any concerns about your health, please speak to your medical provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please ask your friendly neighborhood religious leader. It's a Muslim sex podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman who talks about sex. So today we're going to be talking about postpartum health. So one of the most exciting times, and of course, one of the most scary times right after giving birth is the time after birth and what to look for and what are the signs that you may need some help. So the first thing I want to say is that right after a baby, make sure if you can, if you have the ability to, to get somebody to help you because those first three months are honestly a big blur. The baby's crying, you're in pain, you know, you're barely able to get up and take a bath, take a shower, and everything's just a big blur. So if there's anyone at all that you can ask for help, I would ask then, and that's the perfect time to ask for help. So first things first, get tons of rest. Whatever the baby sleeps, they say it's good to sleep. And you know what? I agree 100%. Try to get as much rest as possible. Um, you know, most mistakes and accidents happen when you're overly tired. So just try to force yourself to go to bed when the baby's sleeping, you know, try to remember not to lift anything too heavy, nothing heavier than what the baby weighs. Um, you know, it's okay to do some light work around the house if you're up to it, but if you're not just let it go and just do it when you're able to do it. You know, there's no shame in waiting. The most important thing postpartum is your health. Also, if you've had, you know, let's say you had an episiotomy and um, you gave birth naturally or vaginally, um, same thing. But um, what you want to do is you want to make sure that you always rinse off after you use the restroom with one of those peri bottles that they give you because that's the most hygienic, especially if you've gotten stitches. And it's going to actually feel better when you use that peri bottle as opposed to using tissue on your bottom um, because you're still healing and that area may be swollen. And remember, you're going to be bleeding as well. So it's important to make sure that you're using something very soft and um, just, you know, like some soft toilet paper afterwards. But really, the peri bottle is pretty much all you need uh, to keep clean and um, make sure you don't get an infection. Also, you want to make sure that, you know, you don't go into the swimming pool um, while you're still bleeding. You just kind of want to make sure that you're all healed up and that um, you've stopped bleeding. Sometimes the bleeding can last, you know, up until six weeks. Other times uh, it can be shorter, but definitely make sure that you've stopped bleeding uh, before you decide to have intercourse. Uh, A lot of times physicians will tell you to wait six weeks. And again, that's because we just want to make sure that you're done bleeding before you have intercourse because there could be a risk of infection. So just make sure that you go to your postpartum visit and the gynecologist or your healthcare provider gives you the okay to go ahead and have intercourse. 
Um, sometimes, you know, it'll feel good to use um, a sitz bath or apply ice on your bottom. Sometimes those donuts help as well to sit down if you've had an episiotomy so that it doesn't hurt. Also, if you've had a C-section, the most important thing after a C-section is to make sure that incision stays clean. And the way that you can do that is to put one of those pads right over your incision so that the sweat is absorbed by that pad, that peri pad that you have. Because what happens is that if that incision stays moist and wet, then you could lead to an infection or a yeast infection over that area. So you always want to keep it dry. Um, what I advise patients is that when they're taking a shower, to let that water just run down over them. You don't have to scrub the incision or anything like that. Uh, you just make sure that it gets wet. And then when you're drying off, you can even use a, a hairdryer just to keep that area dry. And again, you can put that peri pad on so that all the moisture is absorbed. Remember though, if you've had a C-section to go for your two week visit, because then your healthcare provider can take a look and make sure there's no infection there. In fact, if you develop a fever postpartum, it's important um, that you go and get that evaluated and checked out by your provider. What we consider a fever is anything greater than 100.4 degrees. So always make sure that you go and have that evaluated. And also if you're feeling run down, if you feel like you have a fever or if you notice some redness around the incision area, make sure you get that checked out because that's gonna be very important for you. Also, you wanna make sure that if you're breastfeeding, that you go and uh, try to breastfeed when the baby is hungry, but also you can try timed feedings. You know, you can try nursing your infant every three hours and try to get the baby onto a schedule. Sometimes it's really tough in the beginning when you're sleep deprived and the baby's always screaming to try to get that rest in. But if you can time those feedings to every three hours, then, you know, you may be able to get the baby on a schedule. Again, the more you breastfeed, the more milk is going to come. It's kind of like a supply and demand. And the less you breastfeed, the less milk is going to come into your breast. So it's important, you know, depending on what your needs are and what works for you to know that the more you do it, the more milk is going to come out. Also, sometimes if you're too tired, you know, it helps to have some of that milk pumped and in storage, either in the freezer or in the fridge so that if you're resting, then someone else can feed that baby with the bottle. Also, you wanna make sure that if you're trying to get lactation or breastfeeding um, going, then it's important to try to solely breastfeed in the first six weeks if you can, so that there's no nipple confusion with the infant and um, that you start the bottle later than that because you don't want to have any issues with uh, whether or not the baby's able to latch on. It's important if nursing is important to you to try to make sure that you get good latch on for that baby. And you can get help from your lactation. Uh, there are definitely lactation consultants, but there's also at the hospital, they offer um, lessons that you can contact sometimes your own, the hospital that you delivered at, and you can ask them whether or not they have a consultant that you can talk to, even postpartum. Definitely in the hospital, make sure you get as much help as you can in terms of trying to get that baby to latch on 
and nurse from your breast. Um, if your breasts become engorged, you know, that's another thing that's important and to watch out for because that will happen. Definitely the third or fourth day after you deliver, all that milk is going to come into your breasts. And so if that becomes a problem and if you develop a fever or redness around your breast, again, make sure you contact your healthcare provider and that they can take a look and assess and make sure that you don't have something that's called mastitis, which is inflammation of the breast tissue. So that's very important as well. And if you do get engorged, you can try cold packs, cold compresses. Some people even say to use um, a cold lettuce within the breast area so that, uh, you know, it kind of conforms to your breast and you have that cool coolness that allows that uh, redness to go down. So that's going to be important to just keep cold compresses on your breast if you do get engorged. Also, the more you feed, the more you nurse that baby, that's also going to help with the engorgement. So make sure that if you do get engorged to get some help and contact your healthcare provider. Diet, diet is very important for you. Make sure that you're taking your prenatal vitamins. You know, as you nurse, it's very important that you continue with those prenatal vitamins so that you're, you have those essential nutrients that you need to also feel better as well as for the baby and to help with your milk supply, it's gonna be important that you're taking your vitamins. Not that the vitamins impact your blood your milk supply, but just that you're replenishing the nutrients that you're giving to the baby. It's going to be important to eat lots of nutritious meals, but also, you know, if you um, are eating food that is high in protein, that tends to keep the baby more satiated. Also, drink lots and lots of water. And um, I suggest to take calcium as well, but that's going to be up to you. But definitely continue your prenatal vitamins. If you start to experience, again, any complications or pain um, with the nursing or over your incision site, if you've had a C-section or where, um, you know, over your episiotomy site, make sure that you seek help and go see your provider. Now, one of the most important topics I think that uh, we as GYNs and OBs don't always do a very good job dealing with is postpartum depression. Postpartum depression is one of the biggest complications, and in fact, suicide is one of the biggest complications of delivery. And that's why it's so important to notice how you're feeling and what's going on in your head uh, after you've had a baby, you know, especially if you're starting to feel overwhelmed. There's different things that can happen. There can be postpartum blues, there can be postpartum depression, and definitely postpartum psychosis. And I'll go through each one of those. So the important thing to look out for is with postpartum blues, you know, you can feel so you can have some mood swings, some sadness, some crying, some feelings of being overwhelmed, you know, loss of appetite, insomnia. But the important thing to know about postpartum blues is that they typically don't last longer than two weeks. And, and that's normal. You know, it's normal to have the postpartum blues. But the difference being when somebody is diagnosed with postpartum depression is that that depression tends to last longer than two weeks. You know, it can last for months. And when that happens, there's also feelings of suicidal ideation, like some women may consider 
suicides, there may be feelings of homicide, um, there might be, you know, inability to get out of bed, to have sometimes self-loathing, feeling like you're not enough. And there can also be, you know, frequent crying, loss of appetite or overeating, severe fatigue, lots of negative feelings that happened and anxiety and panic attacks that it becomes so overwhelming that sometimes women don't know what to do. But when that happens, the most important thing you can do is seek out your healthcare provider and also seek out help and check in with family and friends so that they can come over and they can help and take over for a while if that's what you need to feel better or maybe you know, go and see your healthcare provider so that they can start you on perhaps some antidepressants if that's what you need. But make sure you take care of yourself and you take care of your health because the most important thing for a baby is you and you're the most important thing to your family. It's important that you take care of your mental health and your physical health. So when we go on to postpartum psychosis, now this is the one that can be very scary because in this diagnosis, women often have confusion, disorientation. Sometimes they have obsessive thoughts about the baby, about hurting the baby. And oftentimes it can be accompanied with hallucinations and delusions and paranoia. And if this happens, then you know you may not even know that this is occurring. But if your friends and family note that this is what's happening with you, then it's very, very important to seek out emergency medical care and the treatment for this is inpatient hospitalization immediately. So that's why it's so important that if you or a family member notice that you're starting to have hallucinations, um, then it's important to be evaluated and treated right away. Other things, other risk factors for postpartum depression is sometimes when women have a history of depression, they can have uh, bipolar disorder, family history of depression or mood disorders. You can have a baby with special needs. Sometimes having a baby in the NICU can result in feeling very depressed and hopeless. And so again, these are times when it's important to seek out medical care so that you can get the help that you need and deserve. Um, also, sometimes when women have multiple births, they can feel overwhelmed, uh, trouble with breastfeeding, relationship issues, weak emotional support from your family and friends, financial problems, or sometimes if it's an unwanted pregnancy, you know, any or all of those things can be factors in developing postpartum depression. So it's important to know what your risk factors are, important to know what your triggers might be, and definitely seek out care from your healthcare provider. Um, other things, for example, women may develop postpartum anxiety. Now, Postpartum anxiety is when there's a constant worry, always dreading of bad things happening. You can have sleep disturbances, you can have racing or hectic thoughts. And even when there's nothing going on, you, may, you might just feel anxious all the time. You know, some of the physical effects that you may have are fatigue, heart palpitations, hyperventilating, sweating, nausea, vomiting, shaking, or trembling. Postpartum anxiety can definitely lead to panic attacks, uh, which 
can have women having short of breath, feeling that they can't breathe, intense fear of death, chest pain, dizziness, any of those things. So if you know of somebody, again, that is experiencing this or is at risk for this, again, please go and seek your healthcare provider and ask for help, you know? And I think the common theme in all of this is, whoops, (laughs) is if you notice that you are having feelings of depression or anxiety or stress or emotions or feelings that you feel like you're not able to manage, you know, important to speak to your doctor, speak to your gynecologist, and then they can refer you to whether it's a psychologist or a therapist or a psychiatrist. But the most important thing is reaching out and asking for help. And remember, there's no shame in that. It's just, it's very important. And it It could be what you or somebody else does to save your life or save the life of somebody you know. So all of these things are very, very important to look out for and definitely to seek help for. Another question that women often ask is, you know, when can they resume exercise? So definitely after your six-week postpartum visit, I would just check with your gynecologist or healthcare provider, make sure that everything looks like it's healed well and that you're doing well and you can definitely start your exercise regimen again. After a C-section, we typically say, you know, about six to eight weeks. It just depends on how you feel and how you're recovering and what your incision looks like. And as long as everything is healing well, typically we'll say, you know, go ahead, start after eight weeks, just because a C-section is major abdominal surgery. And we just want you to be healed before you start any strenuous exercise. And remember to start slow with whatever you end up doing. You know, it could be aerobics, it could be Pilates, whatever it is, but whatever you start, make sure you start slow and then build up to whatever you were doing prior to getting pregnant. And also one of the most important things to note is that if you were noted to have diabetes in pregnancy, to make sure that you go for your 75 gram glucola test postpartum to check to see whether or not you're diabetic. You know, that's very important. Also, the other things that are very important is that if you had hypertension, high blood pressure, preeclampsia in pregnancy, to make sure that postpartum, you're also checking your blood pressures because one of the things that can happen postpartum is that you can still develop preeclampsia up to six weeks postpartum. So that's why it's important that if you had preeclampsia during delivery, that you are checking in with your provider and also doing your blood pressure checks to make sure that you don't develop that postpartum. So as we had spoken about in one of you know the previous podcasts, that pregnancy is a window into the world of and the future of a woman. So if you develop diabetes, high blood pressure, any of those things in pregnancy, it's important to make sure and look out for those signs and symptoms postpartum as well. Um, Also, women that develop high blood pressure in pregnancy are definitely at risk for, as stated, high blood pressure later on in life, but also heart disease. So make sure that you get evaluated with your provider. And last but not least, intercourse, right? When can you have intercourse again after delivery? And what we typically say is that, you know, we like women to wait six weeks after they've had a delivery to resume intercourse. 
And again, that's because we just want to make sure that you've stopped bleeding and so that you don't get an infection. And it's going to be very important also if you had an episiotomy, if you had some type of laceration in your vagina, that everything is healed prior to you resuming intercourse. And remember, after having a baby, intercourse can be very painful when you start to have sex again because the vagina can be raw. It can still, you know, you may not get lubricated enough because you're breastfeeding. And if you need to, make sure you use lubricant. There's no shame in that. But just know that the first time after a delivery, it may be painful to have intercourse, you know, so go slow and take your time and do what feels comfortable to you. There's different ways to have intimacy, not just vaginal intercourse. So see what works for you and your partner and what feels best to you. And that's about it. So this is the end of the postpartum. Uh, episode uh, for the Muslim Sex Podcast. And I am done here. And it's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is not meant to be medical advice. So please see your healthcare provider for any concerns regarding your health. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Mm-hmm.